Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel, joined as always by Dave Simone as we go through football season. And we've got a special guest for the first part of this podcast. We have David Woods from Bruin Report Online and the 24-7 Network. Uh, we will be talking, obviously, about the Bearcats' trip out to Pasadena to play in the Rose Bowl on Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN. And uh, Dave... Exciting game this weekend for the Bearcats. The Chip Kelly era starting for UCLA, and uh, it should be a, a good trip out to LA as we get to uh, to talking to David here. Yeah, I think so. I think everyone's uh, excited for the opener. You know, it's a little more juice than you know typical UC openers with uh, Alabama, A and M, or Delaware State. So this one should be exciting. All right, David, welcome in, and uh, I'm going to turn you over to Dave and let you two guys talk about the game. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us first off. And obviously everybody's out UCLA land excited about Chip Kelly coming back to college football. Just kind of your overall impressions of him since he's been at UCLA and kind of the, you know just the overall vibe of what uh, what's surrounding the team right now as they kind of – enter into week one of the Chip Kelly era. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I, I don't know anybody who knows anything about UCLA history, but the fact that UCLA made that hire um, in November, I think shocked everyone in the fan base. And that shock has not really subsided. Um, I think everyone's thought when they think about anything Chip Kelly's doing, recruiting or whatever, he was like, wow, Chip Kelly is, he's still UCLA's coach. This is incredible. Um, so I think that's still kind of the reaction. I think the impression of Kelly so far is that, I mean, he's everything that um, people are expecting. He's, you know, maybe not the most uh, media-friendly guy in the entire world, which was certainly his rep at Oregon, but um, super professional. The practices are super up-tempo, um, and everything is kind of running apace with what we've come to expect from his time at Oregon, where, you know, things are kind of... Closed off a little bit, which uh, UCLA has had to, the beat writers have had to get used to uh, fall camp being mostly closed. Only 20 minutes are open to the media, and before uh, under Jim Mora, those were completely open. But um, it's been uh, it's been kind of a guessing game to figure out what exactly moves he's going to make, what this offense is exactly going to look like. Uh, right now, we know it's going to be fast, um, but we don't even know for certain who the starting quarterback is. The assumption is at this point that it's going to be Wilton Spate, the grad transfer from Michigan, who I know uh, Cincinnati fans are probably familiar with because I know they played Michigan uh, fairly recently. Um, or and, and then the other option is freshman Dorian Thompson-Robinson, true freshman. Uh, I would anticipate both get playing time on Saturday, but that's probably the big question right now. And whoever ends up being the quarterback, will probably dictate a little bit of what that offensive attack is going to be because Dorian Thompson-Robinson, much more of a dual threat. Wilton Spate, much more of a pocket passer and, uh, and a stationary quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see that. And that was kind of my next question was going to be about the offensive philosophy being that most people are, you know, that are listening to this are familiar with Chip from Oregon, and then he did have some time in the NFL. And, and knowing that, Wilton Spate isn't exactly your read option guy. Uh, I wasn't sure you, know, you might see a little bit more pro style or a mix, or if they'd still try to run some with him. So obviously, with the two quarterbacks, and I think I think I agreed in what I've kind of gathered and researching for the game and for the podcast. It does sound that there's a good chance we could see both. So. You know, knowing that that might happen, where are in on the offensive end? You know, if Spate starts and gets most reps, what are some of the targets and, and playmakers that he's going to try to to exploit the UC defense with? I think the biggest guy to keep in mind is tight end Caleb Wilson. Um, he only played uh, four or five games last year before he got hurt, but in those four or five games, he was Josh Rosen's favorite target. Looked like he was on track for a monster season as a tight end, was on pace for over 1,000 yards. Um, just looked like he could catch everything over the middle, um, was really great in the seam. Um, and I would think that would be a great safety net for whoever ends up being the starting quarterback. Um, they're going to be throwing to the tight end a little bit because 
hey, throw to the big dude with hands who can catch it over the middle. Why not? Um, so he's probably the main one I'd keep an eye on. Uh, the other one in the receiving core would be Theo Howard. Uh, he's the most experienced um, outside receiver on the team after Darren Andrews and Jordan Lasley both left last year. Um, he has electric speed, great playmaking ability, hasn't quite put it all together yet. Um, he's now a junior, but he's the kind of guy who you can throw a dump off to him and he has that kind of short area quickness to just beat a corner. You know, he can juke him out of their shoes, that sort of deal. And he also has that top end speed to take the top off a of defense. Um, but for him, it's been kind of the little things, route running, um, knowing exactly where he needs to be at all times, just kind of those fine tuning the details of playing receiver. Everything we've heard in the off season is that he's been good. We saw it in spring that he looked pretty good from what little we've gleaned, you know, watching our 20 minutes of practice every day, he's looked pretty good. So, um, he would probably be the next biggest threat, um, offensively, uh, in the receiving game for spate if they opt to go for, and that's kind of the assumption is that with spate, they would go to more of a RPO style um, rather than that pure zone read more that they were running at Oregon. Um, so it would be more of the run pass options where either he's handing it off or throwing it depending on what he, what look he gets. Um, so that's probably how the option offense would look with spate, which probably means a higher prevalence of passing, not something Chip Kelly did a ton at Oregon. So I'm really curious to see how that ends up looking if and when spate gets whatever 80% of the snaps. Right. I know in the spring, the offensive line was a pretty big question, and it seems that they might even, at least he's in the battle, true freshman Chris Chris Murray might be the starter at center. Has anything solidified with the offensive line through fall camp, and and what kind of chances are there that they do end up starting the true freshman Saturday? I'd I'd say it's 50-50 on the true freshman at center. Um, I would say the offensive line has solidified. Um, Where Heading into spring, we were uncertain if there were more than two guys uh, who were any good on this line. Um, I would say pretty comfortable that there are three guys who are good in Andre James, the left tackle, uh, left guard Mike Alves, who started all of last year, um, and, uh, and graduate transfer Justin Murphy, who actually medically retired at Texas Tech as a, as a uh, I think it was a true junior in 2016, but then he recovered in 2017 and then decided he wanted to play football again and ended up at UCLA. He's going to play right guard. Um, the question marks are in um, increasing order of severity, right tackle, where Jake Burton, who hasn't played before, will get the start. Um, and he's apparently been very good in fall camp. Again, we haven't been able to see as much, but the reports are pretty good. And then at center, uh, it's it's a two-man battle right now um, between Zach Sweeney, a sophomore, and uh, true freshman Chris Murray. Um, we've heard good things about both. Um, we've heard they've kind of helped solidify the snapping issues that were a big problem in spring. Um, and there's another option who is suspended uh, for the first few games, Boss Tagaloa. He took every rep at center in spring. He was a converted uh, nose tackle, actually, who switched over to the offensive line in spring. He's suspended for the first three games. He might end up um, working into the mix at center, but for now it sounds like uh, Murray and Sweeney, and they haven't yet settled on a starter. We've heard that both guys are still getting plenty of reps with the first team, so that's one that might very well carry into game time or even beyond. It might be the kind of thing where they're still trying it out and figuring out what works through the first few games of the season. Now, I'm pretty familiar with um, Scott Quisenberry was their center last year, so would both of the possibilities, would this be their first ever uh, in-game action? Yes. Center? Yeah, so this would be, no matter who starts at center, even if it's Boss Tagaloa who took every rep in spring, it's going to be a completely new center. Uh, Scott Quisenberry took, I think it was every snap last year at center, unless I missed a snap here or there that he, he sat out for some reason. But um, it, this is going to be completely new situation. And if you know anything about Chip Kelly's offenses, that timing on that snap, it's, it's kind of a critical piece. So um, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how that shapes up. I think that's going to be one of those kind of inside football issues that um, may may put some limitations on this offense this year, just that they don't have anybody who has a great deal of experience snapping the football. Mm-hmm. Flipping over to the defense, I want to make sure I get this right because I have – a laundry list of linebacker names that 
I'm not sure if they're playing or what the heck is going on there. But So correct me if I'm wrong, but an incumbent starter at middle linebacker, Josh Wood, out with an ACL tear from earlier in fall camp. Mm-hmm. Then it seems like, I'm going to butcher all these, some of these names, Lokina Tawaloa, Elijah Wade, Bo Calvert, Javari Anderson, and Lini Tawaloa are all possibilities of not playing on Saturday. Is that correct? Yeah, and I would say the ones who probably have the least likelihood of playing are, ah, they're probably all in the same boat. They're all what Chip Kelly calls day-to-day. Basically, anybody who doesn't have a season ender is day-to-day. Um, right. I, I would say from a severity standpoint, it sounded like Lenny Toailoa's. His was a shoulder injury that might that might keep him out. Um, Javari Anderson has been out for a few weeks now, um, so that... You know, we don't get any details on what the actual injuries are, um, just that they're day-to-day. Um, Javari Anderson's been out for quite a while. He hasn't yet practiced, so I would put him in the very questionable can- category. And he was probably a two-deep guy. Um, and Bo Calvert just moved over from outside linebacker to inside linebacker. He and Lenny Toa both actually just moved over from outside linebacker to inside linebacker. And then in their first couple of practices, they both got hurt. Um, Elijah Wade, I think he's been working back in at outside linebacker, so I would expect he'll be available, but that inside linebacker group is decimated. There's just not, there are just not many bodies. And frankly, even when everyone was healthy, even when Josh Woods was there, that was a potential weak point for me. Um, linebacker play was atrocious last year for UCLA, despite having some talent, that scheme, did not set them up well for success, but also just the development at that position has been weak for a couple of years now. Um, and so you've got guys like Chris Barnes, who people are expecting big things from, and Josh Woods, who they were expecting big things from, but we haven't really seen it on the field to this point. So it was already a question mark, and it's gotten even more questionable at that inside spot. The outside positions, the top-end talent there is really good. Uh, Jalen Phillips is potentially going to be one of the star defensive players in the Pac-12 this year. He was hurt last year, but even in his limited time, he led the team in sacks. Uh, Keyshawn Lucer South will be very good at the other outside linebacker spot. And Mike Juarez, a former five-star, um, is backing up the two after making a long road back after having some personal issues his first year in the program. So they've got a lot of talent at the outside linebacker spot, but the inside is a big question. I know the, the defensive line <clears throat> along the front, they're switching to the 3-4 and and all of the guys on the 2D in the second unit are true freshmen. UC's got a pretty big offensive line and some pretty big backs, so I assume they're going to do everything they can to establish the run and, and run as much as possible. How would the defensive line look facing off against something like that? Uh, that's that's probably the biggest question for this entire season. Um, Last year, it's no surprise, no, no shock to anybody. UCLA's run defense was horrific last season. Um, they were, I think they gave up 5.8 yards per rush last year, which is, I think, uh, fifth to last in the entire country. So rush defense was already a problem. Then they lost a lot of bodies. They're transitioning to an entirely new scheme up front. Um, the nose tackle is not an ideal run-stopping nose tackle. Chagosi Naruka, he's maybe 300 pounds, probably a hair under. Um, they've got true freshmen in the two deep. Um, it's not a sizable defensive line and it was already an issue last year dealing against the run. It's, it's my biggest question mark on this defense is how they are going to stop teams that want to run right at them. Uh, it was my biggest question mark last year. They did not answer it. Well, it's still my biggest question mark, particularly with the inside linebacker issues as well. Um, I think they're going to have issues with it. I think they're going to have to go to. Even though they're running a 3-4, I think they're going to have to do a one-gap version of it quite a bit, the same way Chip ended up doing at Oregon, where they're just shooting gaps and, you know, hoping to guess right, create some tackles for, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, creating some tackles for loss um, to offset the gashes that they sustain. I think the run defense will be better than last year because it can't be much worse, but expecting massive improvements in year one with non-ideal personnel, I just, I, I, I'm having a hard time seeing it. So I think Cincinnati... Um, if they've got a rushing attack, they can go downhill. I think they're going to have some success on the ground. How big of an impact in this game, particularly, are the suspensions that Chip levied uh, on the six players? I guess it would have been earlier this week or the end of last week. 
Huge. Um, those six guys were all uh, two deep guys um, in, in the spring and then into fall camp. Um, so potential starting center in Boss Tagaloa, a bunch of two deep defensive linemen, Moses Robinson Carr, Oso Digizua, uh, a two deep tight end in Devin Asiasi, who might be one of the most talented offensive players on the entire team, a two deep running back in Soso Jamabo. I mean, the, it's these are guys. It's not just random, you know, third string dudes um it's why the uh defensive line is has got three true freshmen in the uh in the two deep um two of the guys who were suspended would have been in that two deep moses robinson carr you know i think they knew about the suspensions early on in in fall camp so it affected what their depth chart looked like he was competing to start by the end of spring so um you know he might very well compete to start once he gets back from suspension um so these were guys who we're going to make an impact in game one if they hadn't been suspended. So I don't know if you can quantify it super easily. We don't really know what this team is going to look like until we see it on the field. You know, new offense, new defense, mostly new personnel, not a lot of returning starters. So um, it's it's an open question. But, yeah, I think it's a huge effect, a uh, huge effect, especially defensively. And then I guess finally just considering all the things you've just said of new staff, new system, a lot of new players. I mean, I think I saw – Nine of the eleven second teamers on defense are either freshmen or true freshmen or freshmen or redshirt freshmen. So you obviously don't know really what you're going to get from them in a game situation yet. Just kind of your overall, you know, outlook on the game itself, a prediction, just kind of what you're looking to see. Hey, how you think UCLA can be successful? You know, what just what your overall thoughts are for Saturday. Yeah, I think it's actually, it's a pretty good, so this is the game where UCLA is probably going to be favored by the most this season. For some reason, they're 15-point favorites still, um, or at least the last time I looked. I don't know if that's dropped even more. Um, I don't like that line. Um, I liked it a lot more before the, before those suspensions. Um, I think Cincinnati's going to be able to make this a game. Um, I don't, I, I think UCLA wins, but I, 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 I do think it's going to be a game. Um, the looking at UCLA's offense, um, I, I, you kind of have to take some things on faith that Chip Kelly, the guy who masterminded the Oregon rushing attack, is going to be able to craft a rushing offense. Um, and that, you know, he's going to be able to craft something that looks like a top 40 offense overall. Um, and I think if they're able to do that, they'll be able to score some points against the Cincinnati defense, even though obviously some strength up front, especially a defensive tackle for Cincinnati. Um, I like the linebackers, you know, undersized, but obviously very athletic. Um, so I think the, I think that's going to be a good challenge for UCLA to start out with. Can they, you know, do well on the ground against what should be, I I don't think it's going to be a great rushing defense, but I think it'll be better than it was last year, um, for Cincinnati. Uh, the question for me is defensively just what it's going to look like with all of these, all the issues up front. If they can't stop Cincinnati on the ground with any regularity, if Cincinnati puts up, you know, the same way basically any team was doing last year, puts up 200 yards on the ground on UCLA, it's going to be a long season. Um, so that's going to be probably the main piece I'm watching for. I think I think there's just a talent differential. I think UCLA, with the kind of talent they've recruited over the last few years with Demora, I think they're just going to be maybe just have a little bit more athleticism than Cincinnati at some key spots. You know, I think Theo Howard is going to be able to make some moves on those inexperienced corners. Um, I, yeah, I, I see Caleb Wilson maybe getting getting behind those safeties, getting in, in between those safeties and making some plays. Uh, but I think it's going to be a relatively close game. I don't think it's going to be more than 7 to 10 points, but um, I think I'm going to take UCLA like 31-21, something like that. Well, very good. I, I, we definitely appreciate all the info. Chad, do you have anything? No, I, I think he pretty much hit on everything, and I think we're pretty much all in the same range. I think yeah, I, we're all pretty much lockstep on these uh, the score predictions. <laughs> Very good. I, I had thirty four twenty one UCLA. Okay, yeah, I think I could go in that. I'm I'm just thinking the offense is going to be a little bit more hiccupy in game one, especially right. if they're trying to trot out multiple quarterbacks. But yeah, I, I think that's totally right. And, and Wilton Spate, let's face it, has his issues. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it's a series of imperfect options, right? Yeah, you've got exactly. State who's got the experience, but not necessarily a great quarterback. Then you got DT Dorian Thompson Robinson who doesn't have the experience, and Devon Modster who 
throws a great long ball, which basically doesn't exist in Chip Kelly's offense. So (laughs) (laughs) interesting to see. That's that's an unfortunate match of uh, skill sets. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right, David. Thanks a lot, man. Super appreciate it for all the the Bearcat fans that are looking uh, to read up on UCLA. Uh, Bruin Report Online is the spot to go, 24-7 sports. You guys have done a great job with it. We've uh, we've been following along all week, and great to have you on the show. Really appreciate it, man. Thanks, guys. It was a lot of fun. Thanks. That's again, David, thank you, David Woods, Bruin Report Online, joining us here on the BCJ podcast. And uh, Dave, the more I look at this game, they'd have. I think he's right in the fact that overall UCLA is gonna have better high end talent at the top of their roster. For sure, and and they should. I mean, they're a, right. a blue blood Pac-12 school in Los Angeles, California. I mean, regardless of who their coach is, they've always been able to get dudes. Right. I, now, what the coaches have done with the dudes once they get them on campus, a different story. that's been the issue. Right. But, yeah, I mean, they're still going to have good players. Um, you know, Chip Kelly – is a is a great college football coach. So, you know, I'm expecting him to, you know, figure out a way to, to do what he needs to do with the personnel that he has that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is definitely, as, as the week has gone on, and I've just read more and more and more, I definitely feel this is one that you see could steal. But it's just a, a matter of, things having to go their way and and things like that and with the first game of the season you know and what we've seen in fall camp and what our concerns still are I'm just not sure the offense as a whole for 60 minutes is ready to put enough together to win a game like this I agree and I think that's you know you look at Chip Kelly you expect his team even if there's some bumps even if they're still trying to figure things out, you kind of expect his team to be able to put up some points. I mean, yeah. Now, unless you know, yeah, I, I mean, the, the 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 converse of that being, if their offensive line isn't ready, and this defensive line has the type of breakout game that you know the everybody hopes they can have, then maybe you can muck it up a little bit and get it down into the twenties. And if this is a game in the twenties, you see can win it. Right. I mean, my my ideal situation is that the uh, that UCLA offensive line is not ready. The UC defensive line plays, you know, well and puts pressure on Wilton State, forces him into errors, and UC capitalizes on those errors. And then Chip Kelly has to put the true freshman in, who's base, who then UC would know this is just a running attack now. This is an option where you're tech. He's probably not really going to throw the ball, and if he does, it's only going to be a couple times. So then it just changes the dynamic of the game and what you're planning for because Wilton State will turn it over. But as we saw last year, when UC was able to at least get around him in the Michigan game, he was airmailing guys. He was throwing it balls at guys' feet when he had a clean pocket. He was he was fine. He was capable, and you know that's where the defensive line is going to have to show that they've improved, and hopefully, where the defensive backfield higher level of athleticism and speed can kind of you know make up for some areas where they were deficient last year. And then offensively, they basically just need to watch the Washington UCLA tape because I'm, last year, because I'm pretty sure Washington didn't throw the ball in the first half and ran for about 250, 300 yards because they knew there was no way they were going to stop them running the ball. And so you just line up and run power and just see what happens and test these smaller defensive linemen out, test these inexperienced linebackers out. Um, I didn't really get into the defensive backfield play of UCLA with David, but they that is easily their best and most experienced area. Uh, Darnay Holmes is a NFL caliber corner. Um, all of their DBs, corner, corners and safeties, have experience, which is obviously far, a far cry from where they are in the front seven. So, I mean, maybe this is a game where 
if Hayden Moore starts, you're running power, and then you bring Dez in, and you're running option, and you just try to make it, yeah, cut the game time down, make it a game in the 20s, and hopefully you can force them into a couple errors and, and steal one on the road. I'm going to go out on a limb. What now? I'm going to say Desmond Ritter starts. Oh, I thought you were going to say he wins. No, I'm not. I'm not quite there yet. I need, I need to see this offense show that they can put up enough points to win a game like this before I jump on that train. And now it's, yeah, I, I don't want to. I think people mistake that when I've said that. It's not that I don't believe that they can. It's no, I'm not. I want to see them do it before I am comfortable saying I think they can do it. Does that make right. sense? Right, and in a, in a weird way, it would have been nice to be playing Alabama A&M this week. Right. And UCLA right. next week. Just because, you know, we feel like they maybe can do it, but we, we're not sure. So, and obviously that wouldn't give you that great of a litmus test, but it would still be something to where if they play to one, you know, an FCS team and won 56-10 versus the 27-7 to 7 games that we've, grown accustomed to seeing lately um it would give you a little bit more confidence but i'm on i mean i'm on board with Dez starting i i think sometimes when we talk about the quarterbacks i think fans can kind of look at it look at it as we're cheerleading for one versus the other i don't care i just want right. them to win and if and by neither of them really jumping out and grabbing the job that means that whoever the coach Fickle thinks is best suited to lead the team, the other one doesn't really have a gripe, in my opinion. And, you know, you just kind of go with it and hope that it works out. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing if a guy goes out and plays great and wins the job and they start the other guy. But I think they were both good. Like, I, And I think that's been misconstrued as well, is when we say that they've both been about the same, it doesn't mean we've said they've both been bad. It's just that we've, no, had, we've had not concerns. like they stunk, right? <laughs> no, they just neither one of them was that much better than the other. Where you could say, "Yep, this is the starter," or you know, this guy, you know, didn't didn't do what needed to be done. I had a good one on Twitter yesterday. I didn't respond to it, but uh, we'll talk about it here. I saw somebody say that they uh, they stopped by the quote unquote scrimmage on Friday, yeah, and saw. Oh, a- the, the- the mock game? The mock game, which was really nothing more than two-hand touch simulation. One of the right. one of the reasons that they said that Ritter should, should be the starter is because Hayden threw a couple interceptions in that game. You know what one of the situations yeah. they were practicing? What, um, no. What to do when the defense intercepts the ball. <laughs> so he threw it on purpose. Yeah. A couple of them. I mean, I think he had one that was an actual, like, he made a bad throw and they picked it. But the other stuff was, it was designed to be an interception so that one, you know, in like a game situation, they were working on, like, you know, getting down for one, or for two, setting up a return. Right. And that's not the quarterback's fault. That's what was supposed to happen. So... They're kind of like when you work on rebounding in basketball and you go into the gym and go, man, these guys can't shoot because right. they're missing everything. <laughs> right. So, you know, if you're going to go to something and watch it and, and make, you know, hard and fast evaluations off of what you saw, good to know what Well, I mean, I guess that's it. that's part of the annoying part of when, you know, and, and we're lucky, like, to be able to watch all of practice yeah, absolutely. It's such a rare it's such a rarity anymore anywhere in the country on any on any level in college. So we're lucky that we get to see it and relay pretty much, you know, there's not a whole lot of restrictions on what we're allowed to tell. Right. I mean, we're not our fans. We're not talking formations and we're not talking No, but specifics. But, but that's but... why I always crack up when I see people like say that in this case Des should be the starter. I'm like what are you basing that on? You didn't see any of practice, and we're, we've told you pretty much exactly what's happened for the last three weeks, and we don't know if he's going to be the starter. So if you're just saying, like, he should be just because you know 
you've seen Hayden more like it's always the, the you know, the back of quarterbacks, the best play, the most favorite player on the team until he has to play. Right. Because you haven't seen him play, so you have no idea if he's better or worse than a starter. But it's just assumed that he's better. Um, but yeah. I, I think they'll both play. I, that's not going to surprise I, me. I one hundred. I think they'll. They I think both they'll both play. play. I think they'll both play throughout the season until um, someone separates themselves, whether it's in practice or in games, from the other person. Or if that doesn't happen and they're successful, maybe they just keep doing it. I don't know. I mean. I know Luke doesn't really want to do that, but if that's the best way for the offense to work, then he might be forced to. Yeah, and that's why I specifically point-blank asked him that question, like, are you a two-quarterback guy? He said, no, he doesn't like it. He doesn't want to do it. But in this situation, right now, they feel like it's what's best for where they're at. And, I mean, I, I don't think he's pulling that out of his ass. You know what I mean? Like, No, and especially this first game – like, why not? Like, you're on the road. It's not a conference game. It's not a conference game. They don't look at the spread, but you're an underdog. Like, you you obviously, they're not going to listen to our podcast and go, oh, my God, I can't believe these guys found out UCLA has a bunch of injuries on defense. Like, they know that. Right. So they're probably looking at it and going, yeah, this is a way, you know, we can play both guys, and this is a way that we might be able to take advantage of their youth inexperience, and their injuries on defense. It's going to be interesting, uh, you know, I, I just uh, – nobody will confirm it to me. And I've asked. I've tried to get it out of people. Nobody will confirm it to me, but I just have a hunch we're going to see Ritter take the first snap. And, again, because both are going to play, I don't think it really means much. Like, if you're playing both of them no, it, a fairly equal amount of time, I don't think it I matters. mean, I, I think it only mean, I think it only means something is if he plays well, you're not going to take yeah. him out. You're right. not going to be like, you get three series and then we're putting Hayden in. Well, what if he scores touchdowns on the first three series? Yeah, you They're got, not going to take him out. You got two touchdowns and a field goal. You're not, you know, then he's going to stay. So, so, I mean, you know, it's kind of like, doesn't necessarily mean a ton. But, you know, if they're successful, then maybe it does. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I think a lot of things leading up to this game have have gone in UC's favor. UC is relatively healthy from what we have seen and what we're, you know, they, they don't really have this anywhere near the situation UCA is. And I didn't even get into some of the other injuries that it seems like they're suffering that are not even on defense. It seems like they've got some wide, other wide receivers and tight ends that could possibly, you know, be limited or be out, you know, with the suspensions. They've also got a pretty big game week, too, don't they? they they're at Oklahoma. Yeah. So They might be looking you know, at it as, let's get these guys healthy for Oklahoma. Right. So there's there's a lot that is kind of, as the week is going on, I feel like, you know, none, none of UC is doing, really, to kind of, Helped move things possibly in their favor, but that said, I mean they still have to go out and and perform. And you know, UCLA for all the injuries is probably still going to have you know a talent advantage across almost across the board. So it's going to be up to UC to make up for that in other areas. I think it's going to be a good um, a good litmus test on this offensive line in their first game as a unit. Um, frankly, UCLA is not great up front. We talked about it with, with David. I mean, it's not a, a, a shocking revelation, especially when you're young on your defensive line and then you're down to, like, your 14th middle linebacker that had to move from punter. Like, right. <laughs> so we're going to get a good gauge, I think, of can these guys establish a run? Can they open holes for, right, because for Mike they, if they If they have the same problems they had last year with slow start, not being able to run the ball, and, you know, looking at third and eight every every possession in the first half, if they have those problems against this group, that definitely doesn't bode well for the rest of the season. I agree. So I want to see the first couple drives, you know, Mike Warren – uh, Jared Dokes, if he's if he's 100% and he can go. Um, that injury's been a little nagging. He was on the depth chart. They listed him. 
Um, but Mike Warren was listed on top and then or Jared Dokes, which is kind of a flip, which I think is, uh, you know, we'll see how how Jared continues to feel throughout the week. Um, but if not, I think I think Taylor Boos has ran well. Um, Charles McClellan's going to play. I don't think there's any intention of redshirting him. No, I think they'd like to with Tavion Thomas, if for nothing else, to get some separation between him, Dokes, and Warren in terms of yeah, you know, what class it. they're in. Yeah, I mean they'll they'll only have they'll all basically have basically be a backup all the way until his senior year, unless he jumps one of those guys. Right. Um, jumps jumps Warren, not not Dokes, but right. um. But yeah, I mean, and then I'm I'm kind of looking. This is the game. Like we've talked about the defensive line. We've talked about Cortez and Marquise Copeland. Like, you're going up against a center who's never played. Yep. Whether it's in, a, in an offense that is predicated on timing. And, like, it's time to eat. Yeah. Like, you know, we think he's eating and we're excited about the steps the defensive line has taken and shown in the fall. Like, this is the game to do it. Yeah, like you're not going to get many more opportunities as senior defensive lineman to go up against either a true freshman or a redshirt freshman who's never snapped the ball in the game in a really complex offense. Yeah, it, it might not be as complex right out of the gate, you know, but it's still a Chip well, Kelly offense. Yeah, and why that's so big is if they do play Wilton State, the majority of the snaps, he's not a lateral guy, like. If they can beat the center and the guards and get in his face, he's not, like, spinning out of that and running 40 yards down the sideline. Right. And then, you know, you're also in a position where you might they might have to decide, do we help? Do we start chipping down on Broughton and Copeland? And then Michael Pitts and Ethan Tucky and Kamani Fitz, you know, Malik Van might be able to get going. Um, one thing mm-hmm. I think is going to be interesting, and, and like we said, we don't talk about specific formations, but – this defense has been looking kind of funky at times um, in the way that they're lining up, in the personnel that they have on the field. They're, they look at this point, and we didn't, you know, we, we talked about it some last year, but we never really saw it. And I didn't see them getting this creative, but they're getting pretty creative on how they're, what looks they're showing the offense in terms of what packages are on the field and what guys are lined up where. It could be kind of interesting to see this chess match. Well, yeah, I, mean, I think they have, like we've talked about all fall, they've got better overall athleticism. They're, I think they're a little deeper in some spots that they were last year. Um, and just a more overall team speed that, you know, I don't think they, I think they can kind of try to dictate more to the offense than they were able to last year. And, you know, we're going to put our best 11 on the field based on formation, you know, if it's third and long, you, you might see something we haven't seen before. Like almost like kind of how the Bengals basically because their defensive line is so deep, they've basically put four defensive ends in on third and long and rushed the passer with defensive ends, even from the defensive tackle position. I mean, not saying that they would go that far, but I think we could see some guys in uncommon positions than what we're used to seeing based on the situation yeah and you know it's interesting also I think with Brian Wright you can use him in a lot of different ways while he's out there I mean you know with his experience as a defensive end what if he moves from the middle to the outside you know what if he becomes a, a pass rusher on third down we've seen them not as much doing that, but we've seen them on third down bring the house with him quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. I just think, you know, he gives you some versatility. The two jack spots give you some versatility. Having a guy at linebacker that has the athleticism of a safety gives you some versatility. Like, there's just a lot of different ways that, that having these, you know, two hybrid positions on the field allows you to be different. And essentially a third because your middle linebacker was a defensive end. Now, he's not 25 pounds heavier like he was, so he's not going to be playing with his hand in the ground. But 
There's different things you can no, do with on, him. No, but on third on and ten, you can put him at end because you know that there's a, he's just going to rush, and it's a speed game at that point. I mean, him being 20 pounds less doesn't really matter. Right. So I, I think defensively the looks they give are going to be interesting, and all of that is predicated on can the secondary hold up. Because, right. you know, that's what we saw a lot last year is they wanted to be aggressive, but every time they tried to be aggressive, the secondary broke down. And you had to abandon being aggressive because giving up 60-yard plays on third and eight is not ideal. <laughs> no, it's not. But, I mean, hopefully that's where the well kind of works hand in hand. Hopefully he improves defensive line, can kind of help out the secondary as they get experience, and hopefully the secondary's higher level of athleticism and speed can, can cover for, you know, that split second longer to help the D-line get to the quarterback before he throws the ball. Right. So, um, what else you got? Anything? Or are we good? I don't think so. I, I mean, I, I think, well, I think we're ready. I'm, I'm ready for... A pretty decent Saturday slate, you know. There's yeah for week one, couple, it's pretty good. Couple, couple, you know, must watch games, but um, yeah, I'm ready. So, um, are we gonna are we gonna do a a game prediction? Yeah, I think I'm switching slightly. Switching slightly, okay. I was at thirty four twenty one. I think I'm going thirty one twenty four. Okay, thirty-one twenty-four. Bruins. UCLA Bruins. I'm gonna just stick with what I've kind of thought the whole week. I'm going thirty-four twenty-four. UCLA. I just I need to I need to see the offense in a game situation. I mean, they averaged basically twenty-three points a game last year. I think only six and, and a half you know, of them in the first half. Like just yeah, under in today's seven college football, that's in today's college football, that's like ten points in the NFL again. I mean, twenty-three right. points. I mean, that's. I think uh, UCF led the nation in scoring last year and averaged more than double that for their for their games. So, yeah. you know, without knowing, I'm gonna, you know, just kind of have to revert to what I've seen and hopefully they can get off to a faster start this season in games and then just, you know, just have more diversity have more big play abilities you're just not gonna in i don't think in any football whether college or pro you're not you're not gonna have 10 12 play sustained drives and score 30 something points no you can't i mean we talked about this ad nauseum last year you simply cannot play offense in a 15 yard box in today's college football it doesn't work right i mean you're not gonna score five touchdowns where all five drives are like 10 plays, six minute, you know, clock churning, six yard at a time drive. It's right. not going to happen. So we're going to need to see whether it's tight ends, receivers, running backs, catching passes. Uh, you know, I just want to see something before I, you know, start to take more stocking in the offense. But, you know, I definitely, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if they hung in there and grabbed it. At the end, but uh, you know we'll see. It'll be a good test. You know, it's um, it'll still be a good good opener for them. Um, so we'll we'll see. I, I do. I did get a new toy today. A new toy. What uh, was that? A, a Canon T six with uh, with a couple football style lenses to shoot on. So I will, it like a, a video camera. No, or a, a camera, photo camera. A photo camera. Camera, 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 camera. So I'll be, uh, I'll be taking over the uh, photo taking responsibilities at football games this fall. Oh, okay. So well, I'm excited. I'll, about I that. will continue my beer drinking responsibilities yeah. at football games. I mean, so. you, you stick to what you're good at. I get that. Yeah. You stick to what you're good at, and uh, have we started uh, organizing the the season long tailgate menu? Uh, I don't know because with the first game being on the road and it being over Labor Day weekend, I'm not sure if the menu 
has been selected yet for the battle for the victory bell. All right. That's a that's a, so, a Paul Brown Stadium I'm sure special. It will be, I'm sure it will be when we do this podcast next, next week, week to talk yeah. about uh, the Miami game. Now, so. do, you, do you guys tailgate in the same spot? Your Bengals spot for Bearcat games when they play down there? Uh, usually, yes. We, we tailgate in, in lot one across the street from the practice field. I'm, I'm assuming that will be the case again this year. All right, well. Enjoy for everybody that is headed out to Los Angeles. Uh, sounds like about a, yes, a group. Yeah, I of- wish I was going. The Rose Bowl is an awesome, awesome venue. Tailgate on a golf course uh, right next to the stadium. Or I think there's some, like, we tailgate in the open lots on the other side of the stadium. But uh, it is a awesome place to watch a football game. I, I would love to have gone back out to my old stomping grounds, lived in L.A. for about a year and a half, loved it out there. Um, if you're out there, hit up Sharky's in Hermosa Beach. That was my spot while I was there in my early 20s. Not a bad uh, not a bad view right on the ocean on Hermosa Pier. Loved it. It was a great spot. Um, but, unfortunately, got a family uh, family reunion this weekend and won't be able to make the trip, so... However, we will still have full coverage. We got the the gang is all back together this year, which is good to see. I know. Eric Waddell put out his first uh, AAC weekly preview this week. Kerry Hoffman, after a year hiatus, is back in the fold doing upon further review. Austin Gale will be writing uh, post game stories as well as showing up for uh, some some weekly luncheons when he can get out of work. Uh, Shane Kinney on recruiting, Dave and I doing all the fun stuff that Dave and I do. And, uh, we've got the full team ready for a successful Bearcat football season. They say staff continuity is one of the keys to success. So, you know, we're following in the footsteps of coach Mick Cronin, (laughs) who has, I believe the second most tenured staff in the nation behind Michigan State, maybe, uh, as staff continuity is the key to Bearcat Journal's success. I agree. And, and, and Berg, is, Berg is alive and back in the fold. We, we're, we're meeting with, uh, with, with somewhere um, next week with, a, with an establishment next week that uh, maybe the first road game of the year we might, we might be able to have a little watch party at this establishment in the nice. uh, in the over the Rhine district. An, Wonderful, an establishment that that has lots of uh, tall um, aluminum, I guess uh, containers containers that produce the byproduct of barley and hops. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. What a, Tell me what time to be there. I think one of your – did you like the uh, – have you had the Key Lime beer? Oh, yes. I'm a big fan of, of Tass Nelly's Key Lime beer. That is a delicious summer pool drinking beverage for people over the age of 21. Just maybe, maybe, just maybe that, that might be in the works. Might be able to enjoy oh boy. a couple of those, and there's some talk of uh, of maybe doing a podcast or two there. Oh, I can be bribed with, with free beer. Well, one of the the uh, one of the uh, things in the email said that there could possibly be free beer for the hosts of the podcast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know Berg's going to try to push that off until basketball season, but uh... no, 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 <laughs> no, sir, no, no, no. It's nice weather still. We don't, we don't want to talk about going down there in February when it's ten degrees. And who wants to drink beer then? We want to drink beer now. I mean, you're going to drink beer then too. Well, yeah. It's more fun to drink it now. But uh, we're working on coming up with something, and hopefully we've got a, uh, a sponsor joining us here um, in the next couple days for the podcast. If you're interested, send me a message. Sponsor the podcast. And we're, yeah. We're, we're, we'll, 
We're doing big things. We will always shill for your product or company. I mean, Dave wrote an article yesterday that's got 7,549 views. Yeah. That's a lot of people to get your, uh, your message out to. Shock full of insight and analysis <laughs> and... Yeah, 7,000 views already. So just think of all the potential customers you could have with 7,000-some-odd people seeing this article in less than roughly 24 hours or so. Right. It's big-time stuff. But I think that's going to wrap it up. Bearcats and Bruins this weekend in the Rose Bowl in beautiful Pasadena, California. Looks like, uh, what, mid-80s or so? Yeah, I think they said uh, mid to high-80s. 40% 40% humidity, so should be a, a nice It'll be a nice nice, nice break nice break compared to what they were practicing in this week. Oh, buddy. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. Was, a, it was a sauna down on the field. I think it was 106 on Tuesday on the field for practice. It's hot. It's very hot. But uh, ESPN, yep. uh, I think 1530 – because of a Reds game, if I'm correct, for Dan Horde and who? ESPN fifteen thirty for the game. No, uh, a who a who game? The Reds. They play sports still. Yeah, they're still all the way till October. All the, they all, yeah. they got another whole month. That's unfortunate for them. <laughs> but uh, I believe that's where the game is at. Um, I haven't checked on the the radio side of things, but I know the game is on ESPN. So. Yes. Make sure you uh, you check it out, and uh, we will be back next week. We'll review and recap uh, the put the, the the icing on whatever happens out in Pasadena, and then get ready for the battle for the victory bell. Ding ding. Yep. Coming up next Saturday at Paul Brown Stadium. He's Dave Simone. Special thanks to David Woods joining us from the Bro Bro. How great is that? That the L.A. <laughs> football site on 24-7 is bro. Bruin Report on It's pretty pretty uh, apropos, I would say. Bro. Like, it would have been even better if that was the voice he did the whole interview in. But yeah, unfortunately, he was a professional. Well, well dudes, we got some issues with linebacker, <laughs> man, but it'll be cool. Hey, bros, I'm coming to you from the beach, about to hit some surf. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Looks like Wilton Spade's going to be the dude, man. All right, we've rambled on enough. That's what I'm hoping. (laughs) We'll see you next week. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com.